Good morning. It's good to see everybody here on this Memorial Day weekend, and I'm I'm really uh, glad to be here and glad to be for this opportunity to to speak. It's been a while since I've done that here, uh, a couple of years I think. Um, and hopefully, you know, with all the staff gone and everything else, they weren't reaching to the bottom of the barrel. But uh, <laughs> I, I have really enjoyed this, the epic series, the epic story series that for several weeks, eight weeks, I think that we have been looking at uh, the epic story that the Bible tells. And last week, uh, Randy wrapped that up with a look at what heaven will be like and very encouraging words as followers of Christ. We can really look forward to an eternity in heaven with Jesus and all of the other believers who have gone before us and all of those who will come after us. We will uh, join them someday. This is what God has promised and what he assures us will happen. That's something we can put our hope in. And we live in this life now in light of eternity. And that certainty brings a lot of comfort. Brings a great amount of comfort, actually, to me. In times of trouble, uh, knowing that this life is only temporary and that any difficulties that we experience now really pale in comparison to the joy that we will know for eternity in the presence of our Redeemer and Lord. Uh, that is something that is an encouragement to be on a daily basis. Some people have called that a kind of pie-in-the-sky, by-and-by religion. But following Christ is not about pie-in-the-sky by and by. Not only do we have the hope of eternity, but God actually wants us to have real joy in this life right now. As we walk, as He walks with us and guides us through the journey of life here on earth. In fact, this life can be viewed really as, as a preparation for the next life. And the things that God is doing in our lives right now are part of the joy that we will know in heaven as we follow him. So this morning, I want us to look at how to experience joy in following Christ in this life right now, as well as the life to come. Uh, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament is filled with a lot of perspectives and principles and very practical direction on how we can experience joy in this life. Hebrews is an open letter to, written to the, the Jewish converts to Christianity explaining how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies for the Messiah and the need for a Savior, a Redeemer. It's a summary it's really a summary. The whole book is a summary of the, the epic story that we have been talking about. These Hebrew Christians really struggled. They struggled like we do to hang in there in their faith in the midst of all kinds of trouble 
that they were having. They experienced persecution and trials of all kinds. And in fact, the, the history of God's chosen people is really what the Old Testament is about. And that whole history can be uh, summarized as kind of a roller coaster ride with God, where uh, generations would follow God and then one generation would decide not to follow God and then for several generations people would struggle and then God would send a prophet to help bring them back on track and that is pretty much a summary of the Old Testament. And it's also true about our lives. So the overall concern of the writer to of Hebrews, and we're not sure exactly who that is, what he wants to do is encourage these converts, Hebrew converts to Christianity to remain faithful in their commitment to Jesus to the bitter end. Because with everything that was happening, they keep wanting to give up and, ha- and experience doubts just like we do. So what, in order to do that, they needed to keep in mind who Jesus is and where they're ultimately headed. And so, Hebrews is really about who Jesus is, then who we are as God's chosen people, and then what we need to do in order to live this life in light of eternity and experience the joy that God wants us to experience. So, today I want to focus on one particular chapter in Hebrews that kind of pulls it actually kind of pulls the whole epic story uh, series together. And that is chapter 3 of Hebrews. It clearly lays out what it means to follow Jesus in the here and now. And there are four, from that, that whole chapter, um, we see four specific practices that are crucial to remaining faithful and experience joy in this life right now. And that first practice is to fix our minds on Jesus. To fix our mind on the uh, person who we really follow. So, Hebrews 3, uh, the first six verses say, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling." Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all his house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant, in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. So, the first thing that this uh, calls us to is to fix our thoughts on Jesus. And the Greek word that is used there for fix, fix our thoughts, it's actually one word, means to consider attentively to look very closely at, to carefully study who Jesus is, to keep considering that over and over again until you fully understand it. 
To fix our thoughts on Jesus then means to intentionally look very closely at every aspect of his life and teaching. Like a scientist who is looking through a microscope in order to fully understand the material world at the elemental level. We are to carefully study who Jesus is and what his life is about. So in this, in this case, though, what the author here draws our attention to, what we need to consider about Jesus is his faithfulness and two aspects of his faithfulness. His, his faithfulness in the, um, to what God has called him to do and then his faithfulness pursuing that to the very end. So, we are to consider Jesus' faithfulness to do exactly what God sent him to do. The word apostle there, it says he is our apostle. He is the apostle and the... Um, what does it say? And high priest. So as an apostle, he, apostle means messenger. God has sent him as a messenger. God sent him to accomplish his ultimate purpose of redemption for us. And we are to fix our eyes on that. He was here not for himself. He was here as a servant of the Father. He was sent to be our Redeemer and to, to give his life on our behalf. Philippians 1, 4 through 6 says, In all my prayers for, you, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So, what this tells us, what Paul, uh, who, who wrote this, is reminding us of is that what Jesus did on the cross for us, He will carry through until the end. He will carry out our salvation to completion. So fixing our eyes on Jesus means that our salvation is not dependent on us. It is really dependent on God. And when we begin struggling with whether or not everything is going to be okay for us in relationship to this life, one of the things we have to fix our eyes on is that Jesus is the one who is faithful. And we trust His faithfulness to carry it through to the bitter end that no matter what we do or what happens, that cannot be changed. And that is our confidence. In fact, one of the things that it, the picture here that it gives is that God is building a house. And the word house there means household. Not a physical structure, but a household. A family, actually. God is gathering for Himself a family. And he, he is choosing people to be part of that. He is building it. And he, he chose one of the persons he chose to talk about that and to bring that, uh, uh, to prophesy about that was Moses. And so Moses was really important to the Hebrews because of that. He gave them the law. And 
Moses, though, was a servant of the house. Jesus is the son or master of the house. And in that way, he is superior to Moses, the scripture teaches. So rather than trusting in the law, and what that was about is trusting in our ability to measure up to the law. But we no longer have to do that. We can actually trust that Christ did that and that he fully, perfectly obeyed and did what God wanted him to do. I apologize for keep adjusting this right here. I'm going to try to fix it so I don't have to do that anymore. Um, but we can now we now trust in what Jesus has done. And rather than in our own ability, I don't know about you, but I really struggle. I blow it a lot. On a daily basis, I blow it. And I start wondering if I am really okay with God. And I start looking to myself to feel better about that. It's kind of like um, I used to deep sea fish with my dad. First time I ever did that, I got really sick. And I did what they referred to as chumming the water. Uh, and I'll just let you figure out what that is. But what they told me immediately, and it is horrible. Some of you have experienced seasickness before. And, and what's happening is, is that you, you, you're unsteady and you lose your equilibrium and that makes you nauseous. You start to lose your way. Well, one of the things that they told me to do, and I did it, is find a fixed place on the shore and fix your eyes on it and it will go away. And I did that and it did. Um, and the next thing I did, I fished and I caught a big old huge lobster. <laughs> kind of cool. Um, which means has absolutely nothing to do with anything that I'm talking about. But it's, I had to get it out. It's part of my memory. Um, so we are, we are to fix our minds on Christ in that way. For clarification of who Jesus is, the writer compared him to Moses. And we are to carefully consider who Jesus really is as the master of the house. He is both our, our Savior and our Lord. He is the master. He is the one that we trust. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, talks about how he is our example of faithfulness in this life. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Uh, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. The joy For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In Colossians 3, 1 through 3, uh, says a similar thing. The Apostle Paul writes, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, you have been raised with Christ. That is a 
That's, that's a sure thing. And we can have confidence in that. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The idea there again is, is me on that boat, losing my balance, and then fixing on Jesus who doesn't move. He doesn't change. He is completely, totally trustworthy. And that steadies me in the midst of all kinds of things. Several uh, weeks ago, uh, my wife Tina was in a car accident. She was on the 60, 91, in, I mean, the 60 and 57 interchange, which is like bumper cars with, and, and it's very dangerous, that whole thing. But uh, she she was on her way to work, and I had not left yet. And she she called me, and she let me know she's sitting on the freeway in the fast lane. She was just in a five car accident. Uh, she was the last, the second to the last car, and so she was hit from the car behind. And she had no idea how bad the damage was because she was sitting there. She couldn't get out. People are driving by and yelling at them and other kinds of things, and she, didn't, she was in a panic. And we had something very, very uh, significant and meaningful that we were going to go to uh, that night. Um, and normally I respond to that with a panic <laughs> and getting unbalanced and starting to what if and uh-oh and all of that. But something happened. God gave me the grace in that moment as, as I was talking to her on the phone. And this had literally just happened. And I thought about fixing my eyes on Christ and thinking about uh, who God is. And several things immediately came to mind. God is in control. It's only a car. And my first thought was, are you okay? She assured me she was. And then after she did, uh, my next thought was, well, you know, we lost that banquet tonight. That's okay. It'll be okay. Everything is going to be okay. And I was completely calm all the way through it. We we could at that time, we thought the car was completely totaled. Uh, It turned out that it wasn't. But that's the idea here, that in the midst of life, whatever is happening that is unsettling, that is making us spiritually nauseous, we, we steady ourselves by focusing on Christ. We can become distracted and look away from the goal of becoming like Christ. In the movie Chariots of Fire, which was based on the true story about the Olympic runners Eric Little and Harold Abraham, um, Abraham had won many, many races. His coach held up very, very high discipline for him, and he did for himself. And he, he, after winning several races, he finally lost one race. I want you to take a look at this clip here from that movie, uh, which shows that race that he lost. Get to your marks. 
You've lost not a relative. Nobody's dead. For goodness sake, snap out of it, Harold. You're behaving like a child. I lost. I know. I was there, remember, watching. It was marvelous. You were marvelous. He was marvelous. On the day the best man won. I had to look for him. It's absolutely fundamental. You never look. Abraham lost because he looked to the side. Uh, just as he was about to finish the race, you might not have seen it, it's very subtle, but he looked to see if where Eric Little was. And his coach said to him later, that look cost you the race. He wasn't single-mindedly focused on the finish. And the prize that lay ahead. Which illustrates what happens to us when we take our eyes off of Christ. It's like taking your eyes off the road while you're texting. <laughs> uh, which you probably see other people do. Uh, it's similar to what Paul is calling our attention to in Hebrews. He's calling us to be single-minded toward the goal of becoming like Christ. And there are many things that are good, but there is only one thing that is really best. Those are the things that really count for eternity. And those things that really make our lives more like Christ. So another way that we can experience joy in this life is to keep a firm grip on this identity that we have in Christ. That faithfulness to Him, the the idea that He really has chosen us to be His house and he, that He is building. Hebrews 3, uh, 6 through 11 says, And we are His house if indeed we hold firmly to the confidence and the hope in which we glory. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. He is speaking here to the Hebrews, understanding the history that they have when they were in the wilderness for 40 years because of their rebellion and never got to see the promised land. So he's reminding them, and he's quoting from the Old Testament here, um, 
where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw uh, what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an, an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. So we are his house. God is constructing that household and this is our identity. Part of remaining faithful in this life is keeping in mind who we are and who we belong to. Uh, it's really easy to I, identify ourselves with the roles that we play, with uh, the relationships that we have, with the jobs that we have and careers or anything else that we are involved in in this life here and to forget really who we belong to. But we're to hold a firm grip to this reality. We can really easily lose the grip on that. We can start to forget and doubt as we uh, focus more on ourselves and this life rather than on Christ. We're not to let go of it. Firm grip means to keep firm possession of. Don't let go of. To keep checking like a, a captain of a ship. To keep checking headway. To make sure we're headed in the right direction. Recognizing God's work in our lives is one of the things that is critical to keeping a firm grip on our identity in Him. Keeping a firm grip means to trust God. It is taking Him at His word and having full confidence that if we do what He tells us to do, out of His graciousness He has revealed to us in His Word, in the Bible, what He wants us to do and how to have joy in this life. We, as we have confidence in that and do what He says, believing that He will not rip us off if we do that. Uh, I want you to take a look at this picture. Um, this is a picture of a pit bull. Now, pit bulls are known for not letting go. Uh, my brother-in-law, Sid, had a pit bull named Bud. He actually, he wanted, he wanted this to be a guard dog and he wanted it to be mean. So he, he actually trained it with a BB gun. He would shoot it with a BB gun to get it to, and so all he would have to do is just pick that BB gun up and shake it and he would cower. Um, he was an 85 pound pit bull and he, he was mean. And whenever we went over there, we had to make sure that, that, you know, we didn't go in the backyard. Well, he had this toy for him. It's a swing made out of a tire. And he would lift up this 85-pound pit bull and he would lock his jaws onto this tire and then he would swing him. And that bud would not let go. He would remain there for hours if he could. Until Sid said, release. That is pit bull tenacity. Actually, one of the most powerful examples of pit bull not letting go occurred in Ohio courtroom during the Toledo versus Telling trial. Telling uh, was a man who was convicted of violating the city of Toledo's pit bull ordinance. And Lucas County dog warden Tom Skeldon showed a videotape 
in court of a tranquilized pit bull hanging on from a steel cable. The dog was unconscious and still did not release its grip. <laughs> um, at the same, well, uh, that's called pit bull tenacity. <laughs> well, that's the picture here of not letting go, hanging on, having a firm grip to our, in our identity in Christ. Um, verses 7 through 11 that I read are a citation of the Old Testament passage that describes how the children of Israel had trouble holding on to their identity as chosen people of God. They rebelled. God had done tremendous things in their life. Miraculous. Brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery. And um, they ended up spending 40 years just going in circles, never entering the promised land because they failed to see what God was doing um, and recognizing God's hand in their life. Hebrews 6, 11 through 12 tells us that holding on tight means to be vigilant in imitating the faith of others. It says, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what was promised. So part of hanging on, keeping a tight grip on our identity in Christ, who we are, who we serve, who we belong to, is paying attention to those who also are um, exercising faith and we're to imitate what they do. A third way of experiencing joy in this life is to carefully watch your step. Hebrews 3, 12 through 15. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share Christ. If indeed we hold our original conviction firmly, to the end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not burden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. This is referring again to the great rebellion where they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Hebrews 2.1 puts it this way. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We, we have to pay close attention attention to the path that we're on and watch out that we don't begin to drift. It's really, really easy to drift and to begin to forget the things that God has done in our lives and what God has taught. It's easy to be, to be deceived, especially by the lure of sin. Sin doesn't say, hey, if you do this, All kinds of terrible things are going to happen to you. So don't do it. Sin says, this is going to be really good for you. You need it. You deserve it. Just do it. It's easily deceptive. Uh, My own heart is easily deceived in that way. Staying in God's Word 
really, really helps me. Actually, it helps anybody. Uh, Psalm says, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, That is critical to our carefully watching our step. The idea here is that we stay on on path. Ravi Zacharias, a, a prolific Christian author, tells a story of a man who went to school with Billy Graham at Wheaton. And later he entered into politics. In fact, he was very, very popular and he rose to become the Prime Minister of Canada. In the process of going down that way to fame, popularity, and power, he began to sacrifice his ethics and his morals. And he ended up having an affair. He divorced his wife and he married a second wife. And in the process of all of these temptations, he realized that his faith, his Christian faith, did not match what uh, he was doing. And so he began to embrace an alternate faith. He began to promote a faith that he called all roads, all roads lead to Rome and even encouraged others in it. He even promoted this in the United Nations, that one way to have peace in the world is to just accept one another's faith and not speak against any other's faith. He was interviewed on television in the 90s, and the interviewer asked him a, a list of questions about his faith. He said, Weren't, were you not a fundamental evangelical Christian? He said, yes, I was. The interviewer asked, have you not moved away from that? He said, yes, I, I have become more mature as I've grown up and I've learned. And I have rejected some of those fundamental beliefs that I was raised with. The interviewer then asked him, Are you, aren't you sacrificing something by doing this? And he said, no, I've actually grown by doing this. Then the interviewer asked an unexpected question of him. He said, well, what about Jesus? And this man, who was thought of as an important person, who had accomplished so much, had tears well up in his eyes and began to pour down his cheek on this televised interview. And he said, I miss Jesus. So even though he had begun to promote an alternate faith, in his heart he knew that he was wrong. And he knew that he had put a barrier between himself and Jesus. And that... Uh, that is what temptation really does. It, it draws us away from the fundamentals of faith because the fundamentals of faith will fly in the face of any disobedience that we're drawn to. And then a necessary practice for watching our step is encouraging the encouragement that we receive from each other as Christians. Uh, we're to encourage each other's daily so that sin will not slow us down in our pursuit. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It is critical to keep focused on Christ, to keep a firm grip on our identity, and to stay on the path, it is critical for us to, on a regular basis, be involved 
in each other, encouraging one another in our walk with Christ. It's critical. That has been absolutely critical for me. Then the last thing that this chapter talks about that will allow us to experience real joy in this life is to pay very close attention to what God says. Hebrews 3, 16 through 19 goes back to uh, quoting our, our it's reference to what the children of Israel experienced again in the wilderness. And it kind of it asks a series of questions that just really sums up what happened to them. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that we're not able to enter, they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So God had done an amazing thing in bringing them out of slavery. Ten plagues until Pharaoh finally set them free. Parting of the Red Sea that allowed them to get through and then swallowing up the pursuing army. But even with all of that, they rebelled. Our salvation is guaranteed because of what Christ did on the cross. Nothing can separate us from that. But like the former Canadian prime minister who went to school with Billy Graham and walked away from his Christian faith, we, we can be robbed of this joy on earth if we allow ourselves to forget God and be deceived by what the world has to offer. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Paying close attention to what God says means that we listen first and foremost to His voice and what He revealed to us in His Word and carefully study and consider it and ask, how, how, how do I live in a way that is pleasing to God? And we're easily distracted by alternate understanding about life. And this verse tells us that Again, we are to we are easily taken captive, pulled away, if we don't fix our eyes on who Christ is. So this passage tells us a lot of things about how to experience joy in this earth, and it's really focusing on who Christ is, keeping a firm grip on our identity in Him. Uh, not being distracted from the path, and then paying close attention to what God says. There are several um, things that you can do in response to this message and other things that God, some next steps that you can take. One of those is, might be for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and will follow Him as Lord. So maybe some of you have not done that yet and you're still considering that, to trust God in that way. Uh, a couple of other things I'd like to encourage you to do with this is to take Hebrews 3 and have quiet times, what uh, daily devotionals, reading and prayer, Bible reading and prayer that we call quiet times. Uh, take that passage 
and spend the next uh, two or three weeks just having some quiet times on that. Let God really speak to you through that. And then another thing is to think about things that might be distracting you right now from fixing your mind on Christ and decide to set that aside and really focus on who you are in Christ and His faithfulness. So let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. It is such a, an encouragement to us and gives us very specific direction. Thank You for revealing that to us. Thank You for the work that You have done in our lives through Your Son, Jesus Christ, and what He did on the cross. That He was faithful to the end. Because of the joy that was set before him, he endured all of the trouble he had in this life. And he will complete what he has started in us. Thank you for that. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. We thank you that when we blow it, uh, you are there with open arms and love to help us get on the right track again. We love you and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.